I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. I'm Nicholas Spice, publisher of the London Review of Books, and I'm here with internationally acclaimed Australian novelist Peter Carey, whose new book, A Long Way From Home, is published this week in the UK by Faber and Faber. A Long Way From Home is set in Australia in the early 1950s. It's in part a fictional account of the 1954 Red X reliability trial around Australia Motor Rally, which prides itself on being the longest and toughest car race in the world, over 9,000 miles, I think. Peter, by 1954, the Red X had become something of a national event, hadn't it? Thinking of it now, it seems impossible, absolutely unbelievable. You've got an entire country obsessed with a, a, a race, which they say is not a race, uh, involving all these cars that are the cars you drive down to the shops and go to work in. And uh, everyone is really obsessed about it for all sorts of reasons. So One of them is a big competition between the so-called Australia's own car, which in fact is a General Motors car, and Ford. So there's a thing where this is, these are like football teams and people take sides and have fights in pubs about which car's the best and, and, and so on. And, and, and then I think there's a, that sort of thing of uh, a, a sort of form of mapping the country. Almost, I think, we were sort of like dogs going out, peeing on the, on the periphery of, of, of our territory. And... Um, because the race went right round the edge, didn't it? Absolutely. It was 9,600 miles, starting in Sydney, ending in Sydney, up to, what, Townsville and across no, the top? Up to Townsville, across the top. Uh, I should know, it's in the book. So you, you, should, you should check this. Yeah, yeah. Broom, and then what is it called, Bro- a Nullarbor? Oh, well, that's a made-up name for Fitzroy Crossing. In fact, okay. it goes to Fitzroy uh, Crossing, because I, I had to change the river in Fitzroy Crossing, and I had to change the bridge. Uh, and so I thought, I can't really call this Fitzroy Crossing because I've altered that. So. Yeah. Now, your father, I think, had a General Motors car dealership. My father and my mother. And your mother. Hence, important point. Very important for the book, actually. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess so the excitement and romance of cars was all part of your childhood. Wasn't it? Oh, I thought recently, you know, about how, yes, my grandfather sold cars and flew aeroplanes and my father was arrested for driving without a license when he was teaching someone to drive at the age of 12. And... I always think, and the romance, which is the only word for it, uh, was huge. And I thought, isn't it amazing? A whole family enterprise really 
this really was sort of dedicated to sort of changing the temperature of the planet. Yes, and I mean, so you remember, you remember the 1954 Redex trial itself? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. don't remember. I remember the fuss about it. Yeah. But I, what I did, what I remember particularly is, is being in the street at about two in the morning while the cars came through. And, uh, and I think, and our family business, we stayed open to offer assistance. But I don't think anybody actually asked us to stay open. And... and um, and for me, it was like, I don't know if you, if you remember the Fellini film Amacord. Yes, yes. And there's all these scenes in there of, of, the, of childhood, the magic of childhood, the time the Count's Peacock escapes and the huge ocean liner that comes past yes, in the middle yes, of the night. wonderful moment. Yeah. Well, the moment yeah. of the Red X trial passing through Bacchus Marsh was sort of like that. And there were radio personalities who, Jack Davey was one who, 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 who was in the race. And so he, there's Jack Davey, the famous Jack Davey, who, of course, I would never have seen, rolling down his window and waving and going, hi-ho, everybody. <laughs> and, and so that was sort of like being in Hollywood or something for me. So yes, it was, was spectacular. You were born and brought up in Bacchus Marsh, which is a small town about 30 miles from Melbourne. And this is where A Long Way From Home, which is the, you know, the novel, um, opens. And it's there that we spend the first third of the book getting to know the main characters, Irene and Titch Bobbs, and their neighbour, the young bachelor, Willie Bachhuber. Tell us a bit more about these characters. What do you like about them? Oh, I made them. <laughs> I love them and they're my children. Uh, what, I, I really honestly don't think like that about liking them, but... Um, they're very likeable, I have to say. Yes, I think so. Titch, Titch ends up being perhaps less likeable. Um, I, I, I just have to think about the first time I, I see the, that, those two characters, this married couple... And uh, who are you know about five foot two, and uh, he he he's he's sort of rather beautiful, and the first time they're seen, and she's slightly boyish. The first time they're seen by Willie, their next door neighbour, it's, it's uh, they they they're they're sliding out from under a car, on on, on those little roller beds that mechanics use I've forgotten what they're called each of them holding a spanner and they're sort of like they're, they're meant to feel sort of magical like creatures like from an icon or something holding a, a spanner instead of a cross or whatever they hold um, and the, the thing I thought about them both was that they would have energy and optimism and that those are the qualities that their next door neighbour uh, who thinks that he's German, of German descent, will like about them. The next-door neighbour, Willie, is at a sort of a crisis in his life. He's, he's still very young. He's in he's his mid- 26, isn't yes, he? Yes, and he's already sort of got a messed-up marriage, and he's just been fired from the local high school for dangling uh, a, a pupil out the window. The pupil, we would judge, thoroughly deserved being dangled out the window, but on the other hand, he, he's lost his job because of this. And, and so he's, he's waiting for his life to start again. And they they are, and he's quite melancholy in some ways, isn't he? He's quite a reflective and melancholy character. Yes. Very reflective and melancholy. And he, he's a bookish character, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, I mean, he's a star of a quiz show, isn't he? His quiz show is an odd one because mm. um, he keeps on being paid money every week on the quiz show. But these huge checks, you know, those checks they present to people that are as big as a, a, you know, a door, and uh, with large amounts of money. But the minute that's happened, he has to tear the, che- the checks up anyway because there is no money. And the whole thing of the quiz show is to is to sort of persuade a, a real sponsor with money to take it on and fund the quiz show and, and so on. And he falls in love with his competitor, Miss Cloverdale. Yes, he 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 is quiet and reflective, but he but he he, he does. It's troubled by sex a great deal. 
Uh, so yes, he certainly he does think about Miss Cloverdale, who who is perhaps not as good as she should be, and he's certainly attracted to Mrs. Bobbs. And Mrs. Bobbs is attracted to him. Absolutely. Yes. So, and indeed, he's a, there's a wonderful scene where Mr. Bobbs comes over to sort of console him after Miss Cloverdale abandons him. And it's a, that's a fantastic scene because suddenly you see something about Titch Bobbs which is very gentle and very feminine. Huh. And he comes over in his yellow sweater, I seem to remember. That's and, right. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, forgive me for forgetting my own book and being, being charmed and, and, and impressed uh, by what you're suggesting about it. But isn't there, isn't there a thing about, uh, uh, about how Willie talks about Titch and the way he listens, the way a girl would listen? Yes, I quote, he came to me as an angelic presence, luminous in his lemon-yellow pullover, dry and sweet as Johnson's baby powder. His cheeks were wide and freshly shaven, his hair smooth and black, and his eyes alive with mischief. I thought he's like a girl, so pretty and light. Yes, and uh, yeah, and as you said, you know, and, and attentive and caring, but curiously blind in other other, other ways. parts of his life. That's why he he instructs Willie at this moment to re, to re, to go and weigh himself, to remove his clothes and stand on the scales. So Titch, who's thinking that he's going to take on this guy as a na- navigator, wants to know exactly how much he weighs because. Uh, well, that's the key thing because, of course. About a third of the way through the book, um, Irene and Titch and Willie enter the Red X trial. Willie is the navigator. A Long Way From Home is about a race, it's about the Red X trial. But the deeper and more complex subject of the novel is race in a very different Mm. sense, specifically the racial cleansing that underpinned the formation of Australia as a country. This has been a, an abiding preoccupation of your work, Peter, but up till now you have treated it more obliquely. I think this is the first time that you've confronted it head on. Mm. What made it a matter of urgency for you at this point? It wasn't so much it was a matter of urgency. It's always been there. If you can't be an Australian and not think about this, uh, whose country it is. Uh, I think that two, there were two things about it. As you say, I, you know, I think it's essential that it be addressed and it was normally addressed in my work. But I, I was at a playwrights conference in Canberra in 1985 and an Aboriginal activist uh, named Gary Foley, a forthright man, <laughs> uh, said to mostly white people in the audience, he said, look, I, I know you blokes, you really want to help and everything, but you know, I'd really appreciate it if you stopped writing about us because we've got enough crap to deal with at the moment and we really don't need any more misinformation and, 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 and false imaginings from you lot. And... Um, so he was talking, of course, of what everyone and now is even you know, continually talking about appropriation. I really had no problem with what he was saying. It made a lot of sense to me. Now, whether I was right to listen to him or not right to listen to him, I certainly listened to him. But as time went on in my life, and um, I suddenly realized, there I am, I'm over 70, and I've still not really written a book that deals with what is the fundamental issue in my country and I thought oh come on Peter you really better do this and if you can feel complacently sit down and and, uh, write from the point of view of a French aristocrat of which I must tell you there were not many in Bacchus Marsh particularly not in the spare parts department um, then you can surely get your head around the into the lives of indigenous people I still basically wanted to write a book certainly about race and but I wanted to write about race in relationship to white Australia because all this stuff wouldn't have happened if the British uh, hadn't come to Australia and invaded it and so on. So um, 
I had an, and I had an idea, and the idea came watching the Red X trials uh, on on old old newsreels, which were such a treasure when you think this thing's lost from your life forever, and you see the old newsreel, and seeing these cars barreling down these tracks in in in, in the outback, these great clouds of dust, and, and I'm thinking, you guys would not know if you were driving up the aisle of a cathedral, and Neither would we, <laughs> or I, uh, not just the drivers. And in fact, of course, that's what they're sort of doing in many respects, you know, when they're worrying about their strip maps and and, and their, their speedometer readings. They're also bound to be crossing the what Bruce Chapman called song lines, storylines and, and you know, lines of, of ceremony and ritual, religion, uh, other, some of which are sort of quite useful, like finding waterholes and things like that. And I thought, they didn't know where they were. And this has been this thing for 50,000 years, these people have been here. And all this is this web of stories there. And there you are pissing around the borders of your country and you don't know what's there. And so I thought, I'm going to write, I'm going to start thinking about the points of intersection between the, the map of the, the Red X map and, and story. And I really thought that I would find a particular point, you know, just out of Townsville, say, where... The, the 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 great uh, serpent, mythic serpent, crosses the road just by the service station. Didn't work out like that, but it did mean I started to to, to write a story of two maps, two sets of maps. Could you talk a bit more about these two sets of maps? Because there obviously is a sort of sense in which the road map, the typical Western road map, and the map they use for the Red X trial and so on, um, is a kind of abstraction. It's what one might call the territory rather than the terrain. Yes, yes. Well, it's it's not ignorant of terrain, but in the, probably in the broader sense that you mean it. Yes, because uh, they do have these fabulous notes about you know, you know, rough creek crossing and you know, jump up here and so on. Um, and also, for me to use the maps about the indigenous stories is sort of incorrect anyway, uh, because. Aboriginal people don't actually, they can't read maps. They have the most amazing sense of, of, of space and territory. and But why would they need... It's so much a part of them that the notion of looking at a map is sort of ridiculous to them anyway. Well, there's a, a very powerful moment towards the end of the book where Willie is trying to teach the children. a class of Indigenous Australian children yeah. about the map of Australia. and they And he then abandons all that. Yes, he does. And tries to learn about the mapping yes. that they do. So the la- the, they are the land in their, in their view of themselves and their sense of, their sense of the relationship to the world. They are the land. They're part of the land. Why would I need a map? Well, how could I get lost in my own country? Um, but these, the, the, the sense of the land and the sense of the rituals involving the land and, and the caring for the land and the respect for the land really involve people whose responsibility is to go from place to place to visit the place to let the spirit or, or, or whatever the entity is that's there that let them know we're coming we're okay if you're bringing someone you say i'm bringing someone he's okay and that there are certain sort of things which are part ceremony and part just maintenance like killing clearing out uh, water holes and and other things you know, ceremonies involving smoking things to drive it so that's an important part of the caring for there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The land. And when the land, the land's traditional caretakers are looking after it, it looks totally different to an indigenous person to one where that's not happening. And where it's not happening... Uh, the land looks look different and look like they say this is sick country mm-hmm. and it's not being looked after. So I and Willie will too want to call these lines of story and maintenance maps, but they wouldn't. And the key thing here is that the maps that the white settlers produced, yes, tracking the roads that they drove across this mm. land, irrespective of what they were driving across, is a kind of symbol of the whole appetitive nature of yes. the West, really. Goal-orientated, trying to be competitive, win things, get to places, yes. not actually pay attention to what is there, have no sense of the being in the world. I mean, I was interested, way back in Illiwacker in 1985, um, I found a sentence there, Leah, one of your characters there, he says, talks about the small dusty roads, which are the roads that the cars rocket down mm-hmm. in those newsreels, which she recognises as, quote, raw optimistic tracks that cut the arteries of an ancient culture before a new one had been born. What a sensitive writer I must have been (laughs) at that age. So you were thinking about (laughs) these things then? Yes, Um, of course. On the question of cultural appropriation, I mean, it's it's a very highly charged debate, isn't it? And um, the very last words of your novel, of this novel, A Long Way From Home, our, our mother country is a foreign land whose language we have not yet earned the right to speak. And yet, in a certain sense, you have been brave enough to try and speak that language. And do you think you're going to find yourself... Have you been in Australia, for example, um, yes. you know, taking the task about this in any way? No. No. No, and indeed, the, the, the indigenous... The person I was most terrified of meeting uh, was... was uh, Stan Grant, who, who's you might know of, he's a journalist, I don't know broadcaster. Him, no. he, if you say who's going to be the first Indigenous Prime Minister of Australia, it will be Stan Grant. He's very, extremely well educated, very politicised, and very close to his family and a, a, a history where they suffered dreadfully from white brutality and cruelty. Um, and my first event in Australia was on stage with, with him. Uh, well, I, he had agreed to do it, so I thought he must think the book was sort of okay. But to find that we'd connect, he loved the book. <laughs> he would say bigger things about it than I would say about it. And so that night I thought, well, maybe this is going to be all right in this respect. And nothing has happened so far to suggest that it won't be. But there's always people who don't like things. So Yes, yeah. no, absolutely. So I, I, feel, I, I, I feel, and the other thing that I really wanted to say about the book... Apart from the fact that it's funny, which it might not sound like the way we're talking about, apart from apart from that, is is that um, it is basically this is a, this is a story about white Australia, and um, you know this is these people you know who, who people think you know, this is Australia in the fifties it's nostalgia well what's the nostalgia what's all that good feeling of the fifties built on it's built on it's built on genocide and and um, 
terrible cruelties. We enjoyed the privileges we had because of that. Uh, I'm not going to take those privileges away, but we should know how we we got them. So, um, yes, and I mean, also, I think in the character of Willy Bachhuber is an extremely subtle and fluid and intriguing character. And without wanting to give away the, the plot of the book to people who haven't read it yet, um, there is a real sense in which he grounds and mediates yes. the... And that's why, the, why it works for me. Well, I, it, I, it is precisely because he is the figure who acts as the integrator of these poles. You're totally right. And, 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 and when I look back on, 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 the, on the journey into the book and the discovery of the book, uh, and I certainly didn't begin with the realisation or the understanding that grounded Willy Bakuba's character. And if I hadn't had that idea the book I don't see how the book could possibly have worked there are certain things about this book that you launch into it and there are some huge things you've got to deal with and you don't know how to do it what's incredibly exciting about reading it is that one feels a sense in which the book discovers itself as it goes along I mean the Red X trial they set off and it's this race and then the wheels start coming off the cars as it were Mm. and the book careers off the road into completely different territory and Willie himself careers off the road into different territory and one feels that you didn't know necessarily that that was going to happen when you started and if you had Willie would have been a much more wooden figure I knew those things had to happen I'm agreeing with the principle yeah but the thing that I knew from the beginning was it had to, I wanted it to start like that and these people and their funny lives and so on and then the, the trial would start and then yeah, you know, they had to get into some heavy business when it got into the north end of Australia, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. And um, so that's, but I, it was really like the journey's plotted, and I sort of know when things are going to come unravelled, but I don't know quite how they're going to become unravelled, and I don't know how I'm going to believe they're coming unravelled, and I don't know how I can have a character take Willie's journey at that time. So. Does that make sense to yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I just have a purely sideline thought. Was there any sense in which you were writing in relation to Voss? No, none at all. Okay. So Not, simply because he was German and... No. You know, no. No, but, you know, mm. one, yes, and Leichhardt and... No, it was, it was really more... No. One of the things about... Well, I, I remember being in Japan with an Australian-Japanese photographer and him showing photographs that he'd taken in the outback of Australia... And, you know, the race in Japan's an interesting issue. Uh, and, and my friend had taken photographs of, 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 uh, of Aboriginal ki- kids with really blindingly blonde hair. And I remember the monk who he showed it to, who he knew well, his shock and dismay at this sort of interracial arrangement. But I also remembered those pictures of blonde kids and bl- the, the, the blonde Aboriginal kids were important to me in inventing this and it made me begin to think of, of, of German blonde hair. So That's the way. I mean, A Long Way From Home is the title of the book and home is clearly an incredibly important concept for this book in many different ways. Um, there is the home of Bacchus Marsh, which, is, which I find very, very lovingly and affectionately portrayed. I mean, we were brought up in Bacchus Marsh. Mm. That was where your childhood mm. was. This very much comes over. It comes over in Illiwaka, but it also comes over here. Well, there's much more of it here. Than much, much here. more yeah. of it. And yet the book creates another home. At the other end of the book, there is another home, mm. which is Camby Downs, which is in the middle of what, the Kimberley? The, the Kimberleys, yeah. yeah. the Kimberleys. And Northwest Australia. That's where the book ends. 
so that the two things are balanced, although Irene and Titch end up where they started, except, mm. of course, not in their marriage, yes. but, but in, spatially. But Willie ends up in Canby Downs. Mm. Where he didn't want to be. Where he didn't want to be, but... <laughs> which, which, which is a home. But which is a sort of home. Which is, you know, his life presumably going to be to do with you know, uh, discovering the nature of that home. When it, you know, the, what the title came from, not an Australian thing at all, but I was thinking, and, and, and there is a character in the book who's important, uh, this refers to, and, and it is from sometimes I feel like a motherless child a long way from home. Mm. So, and that was the beginning of the title. And then, of course, as I worked in it, the notion of home sort of keeps on you know, connecting in all sorts of different ways. Yes. And I mean, home for Australians is such a complex thing, isn't it? Yes. Because of Britain, because of the whole fraught nature of that and cruel and dreadful history. You've been very, very pre- preoccupied in your books with the notion of individual sense of home, the individual sense of home, the individual sense of themselves, of their identity, and the extent to which we feel shaky in our identities. Often we feel imposters or fakes. Or, uh, and this is a related subject. And Willie is, is another study in this, in a certain mm. sense, isn't he? Yes, indeed he, ha- he is. I, what I was thinking about as she was speaking was that when I had been drawn to write about imposters and fakes... To what degree it was sort of rooted in sort of the sort of melancholic feelings that Willie has at the beginning and and throughout the book, and to what what the, what the, what sort of devilish joy I had in in inventing the fakes and 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 the way that I I liked the the the, you know, the invention that's involved in the invention of a character and and that if you invent something and you imagine something uh, like the invented poet. In my life, it's a fake. What the old Mali, but yeah, yeah, he yeah. comes to life. Mm. So, a lot of those things were really about in my head at that time. Not that they don't join with this, but they were about the sort of the power of the imagination. Be careful what you imagine, but also the power of lies, or if you yes. like, deceptions, or of sense of instability and fakery as a creative force that drives yes. the story. I mean, Willie as the most unstable identity in the book in a certain sense though not an unstable person the unstable identity drives the book doesn't he he creates the book without him because while they go around in a circle yes he heads on out yes and there's these two movements where you end up looking outwards well they've just got around in a circle yes and 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 their Hmm. desires and forces are essentially conservative and i don't know what we don't know what we would call his in opposition but they're not that not that at all i mean do you miss australia yourself you live in new york um, when I returned to Australia, um, maybe if you're from London, you feel like that when you come back to London. If you've been away, your body responds to the place and to its humidity or lack of it and its heat and its smells and all those sort of things. Australia is the place where I feel that. And I think if you want to, you know, I have, wherever I would be live, I would have squabbles with it. I'm living in New York, for God's sake, you know. I'm reading Hannah Arendt, Hannah Arendt reading in New York. Why would I be doing that? Because, and that's a home which is a, a, a terrifying place at, at the moment. So, I... Yeah, it's just, sorry to interrupt, but I just have to say that there is a figure in A Long Way From Home, a guy called Carter, 
and his predecessor, Big Kev Little, isn't he called? These are the people who run the state, the cattle station out in the middle of the Kimberley. And they are brutal, brutal white men. And the description of Carter absolutely is a description of Donald Trump. I mean, the, it just struck me that this doesn't go away, this hmm. violent white hmm. male no, force, no, does it? No, and, and that's not something I'd considered before, but I see what you mean exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so A Long Way of Ho- From Home, as you said, is a comic novel. It, it, well, your books are, are always light, it seems to me, light in the best sense. I mean, it explores dark and disturbing material. And there are shocking instances of cruelty that it conjures up. And there is anger in it. In fact, Willie is capable of fury at times. Um, and there are these nasty characters like Carter. But in the end, it's not a sombre book. It, it's, it's not a dark book. It has lightness in terms of you know, visual light. And it's also not heavy. And you give the telling of the story to two fundamentally humane characters because they alternate the narrative. Irene, Bobs, and Willie, and we go backwards and forwards between them. So you've given the book over to these what we might call Irenic characters, <laughs> and they have a natural compassion and kindness in them, and that sets the tone of the book, as well as a melancholy, which comes with compassion. Yes. And, and I feel the book is suffused with that, those characteristics. And I have, I, I miss, may sound a bit sentimental, but I've always thought of you as a kind writer which is a very odd word to use for a novelist but it makes me think that kindness is a very important value for you yes, is that right it is what you've just said I, hadn't occurred to me at all so it's good to listen to people when occasionally learn something thank mm. you mm. Mm. good so you've said that you want every book to be a completely different book are you working on another one? Oh, yes i am yeah well you know it's really, i think it's quite important for a writer who, <laughs> when all the business of publicity <laughs> is finished in the books and it, it, and at that moment, you know, nothing has changed really in one's life. You know, one's gone gone for publicity and all of that sort of thing. But it is the is that all there is moment. So it is a good time to have a book to go back to and realize that 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 the great joy in your life actually comes from making these things, not being, if you're lucky, being praised for them. It's interesting. I always think of a wonderful um, thing that Stravinsky said. When somebody asked him about his past compositions, he said, look, I don't think about my compositions. I'm only interested in composing. And I wondered whether that was the same for you. Yes, I think that is the same for me. Great. Well, we look forward to the next book thank you. very greatly. And thank you very, very much, Peter Carey. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.